0: Road Trip Radio.
1: Welcome to Road Trip Radio, the only all drive time, walk time, and sit time station in Canada.
2: We hope you're out there listening with your family, your friends, or maybe even an enemy.
1: I'm Pat Kelly.
2: And I'm Caitlin Howden.
1: And today's edition of Road Trip Radio is all about the Northwest Territories. We'll be talking everything Northern, Western, and Territorial.
3: Get to know the Northwest Territories.
1: With over 44,000 residents, Northwest Territories is the most populated of Canada's three territories. Go
2: team, go, go. The Northwest Territories is home to Great Bear Lake, the eighth largest lake in the world, Great Slave Lake, the deepest lake in North America, and the Mackenzie River, the longest river in Canada. Jeez, quit bragging.
1: The capital, Yellowknife, is known as the Diamond Capital of North America, thanks to the four nearby diamond mines. What, it's not because of Neil Diamond?
2: The first written account of the game of ice hockey took place in the Northwest Territories in 1825. It's also the first written account of someone saying, I just got to get out there and give it a
1: 110%. Just work for the puck, work for the team. Oh, we had a great few friends out there. Everyone's really working real hard. We're, this is the big year. We're really going to do it. Of Canada's three territories, the Northwest Territories is neither the most northern or the most western. Go
2: team, go. And that's a little bit about a place we call the Northwest Territories.
1: Also on today's show, we learn all about caribou and their scat. We take a harrowing drive across the ice.
2: And as always, we are joined by a roving reporter and loose cannon, Peter Oldring. Peter is in the Northwest Territories right now, just trying to fit in with the locals. Uh, Peter, are you there?
4: Yes, hello, Caitlin, and hello, road trippers. Uh, uh, I am here in the Northwest Territories, and I'm participating in something that happens up here known as a 36-hour golf tournament uh, here in the land of the midnight sun. Yes. And and I will tell you, you would not believe how sunny it is, uh, even at this hour, uh, Caitlin. And what time is it where you are? At 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Uh, But I've been awake since 5 a.m. two days ago. So it's, it's very difficult right now is what I'm saying. In the land of the midnight sun, my circadian rhythms are a bit messed up. I'm sort of losing it. If I'm being honest, you know, my hotel has blackout curtains, but it just doesn't make it dark enough. And I'm just having a tough time sleeping.
2: <laughs> so how are you preparing for this golf tournament?
4: I'm taking lots of coffee and I'm just trying to keep my eyes open, keep my eye on the prize, just make it to the end of the 36 hour stuff. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm seeing balls. I'm seeing holes. I don't know if they're mine. I don't know if they're even on the golf course.
2: <laughs> okay, Peter. Well, uh, you hang in there and we'll check in with you in a little bit right after tea time. How about that?
4: Okay, Good. I wonder if that's what this is now. Ah, oh, so sunny. Okay,
2: talk to you in a bit. Road Trip rain.
5: that's at least a 15 pounder
1: oh. from the creative team that brought you fishing on the radio be a largemouth bass that is a largemouth comes yellow. another experience that begs to be televised
6: And that is a tremendous break from Todd Sharples. Absolutely a tremendous break indeed. Uh, So uh, let's uh, describe what we have here. The green ball went into the side Mm -hmm. pocket. Uh, The red ball uh, went off the side bank and has ended up in the middle of the table. The yellow ball came terribly close to the corner pocket, but of course it stopped right where it did. And that leaves us with the orange ball, which uh, from my vantage only moved uh, about an inch.
1: Billiards Radio, because it's the only sport that we could afford to get the
6: rights to. And that's a costly miss for Henderson. Mm, Yes, indeed. He had that one all lined up, but then clearly was thinking of something more interesting, and Mm -hmm. it caused him to miss the side pocket by, again, from my vantage, a quarter of an inch. Maybe less. Hmm, interesting.
1: Billiards radio is a once in a lifetime opportunity to really test your powers of visualization.
6: We mentioned the humidity in our opening preview, but little did we know it would cause three in-match chalk-ups by Jacobs. Absolutely, and of course, uh, you know you're only able to chalk up four times per match, so this really will be a thrilling conclusion to see if he's able to hang on to the lead with only one chalk-up left uh, in his back pocket, as it were. Yes, I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Yes, from my vantage, I can see that uh, by what would seem to be a quarter of an inch. Maybe less.
1: Billiards Radio, get ready to imagine the action.
6: Road Trip Radio Community Calendar.
1: It's now time for the Northwest Territories Community Calendar, brought to you by these crazy kids. Yeah! A warning, only one of these events is real. It's up to you to decide which one it is. In celebration of Canada 150, the Folk on the Rocks Music Festival starts on July 14th. The festival takes place on a subarctic lake and features lots of musicians that are way better than Bieber.
2: Next Tuesday is Eat a
5: Chocolate Bar Day. By law, every resident of the Northwest Territories gets to eat their favorite chocolate bar. The Yellowknife Shoe Pile is happening on Labor Day. Everyone in Yellowknife will put their shoes in a big pile and then try to get them back.
1: And that's the Road Trip Radio Community Calendar brought to you by these crazy community kids. Yeah!
2: Yeah! And now... In Conversation. Around Toledo in the Northwest Territories, she is known as the caribou poop lady, but her real name is Dr. Jean Pulfus. She's a researcher who just completed her PhD and studies the fecal samples of caribou from all around the Satu region. So, um, Jean, thank you for joining us today on Road Trip Radio. You uh, specialize in caribou poop. We can say poop? Yes. So So the
7: technical word is scat.
2: So why do you study caribou scat?
7: So we have a question, and it basically breaks down to how do we name caribou? There's lots of different behaviors that caribou have across Canada, and colors, slightly different colors of brown and white, um, how their antlers are shaped, but How we name and where we find the edges or the breakpoints between two different types of caribou is very challenging. And so we wanted to know how should we name caribou, and we used a couple different ways to figure that out. One is by collecting the caribou scat, um, run our analysis on it, and we can find out how the caribou are genetically related. So the same way people are related to our aunts and uncles and cousins, caribou are also related in that way. Um, And another way is to ask the people who have been living with caribou for millennia, and I work with Dene people in the Satu region of the Northwest Territories, and they have, in their language, different ways of naming the different types of caribou.
2: That's so interesting. So would you say that maybe, like, my aunt and I would maybe have similar
7: poop? Yes, um, we could do it with people, though it's a little bit more messy. Caribou scat comes out just little pellets. A lot like um, rabbit poop. And you were saying that you
2: work with the Dene people. Um, How are you working with with the Dene people to to study the caribou?
7: So we we wanted to start this project because the communities wanted to do caribou research that respected the caribou and used their traditional knowledge and all the long history of observations they've had about caribou in the research. And so we included people in the whole phase of the research project. So we asked people to go out and collect this caribou scat for us, um, and we uh, reimbursed them with, a, with gift cards and for gas money, which would help them be able to get out on the land on their skadoos and snowmobiles so that they could um, pick up the caribou scat for us.
2: Okay, Jean, this is going to be a strange question. I've never had to ask this before.
7: How much does a pile of caribou poop go for? $25 gift cards for gas each pile of caribou scat.
2: Who's collected? Do you have one premium collector?
7: We, we did. We had one trapper who probably collected 130 samples over a couple of winters. So he, he won. And our youngest scat collector was a 12-year-old girl from Koval Lake um, who brought in a whole bunch of samples when she was out on a trip on the land with her family.
2: Have you learned anything um, really fascinating from your study so far of
7: the caribou? Well, we did find that we could distinguish genetically differences that also corresponded to what Dene people have called these caribou f- for a very, very long time in the region. And so that's one case where uh, Dene language and the traditional knowledge that people hold can has a more fine-scale understanding of different types of caribou, and that helps us as scientists um, understand better how ecosystems work.
2: Wow. You're not originally from the Northwest Territories, though, are you?
7: I am not. I'm not. um, I'm from northern Wisconsin is where I grew up. And now you live in
2: in the Northwest Territories. Yeah,
7: exactly. What brought you there? You know, when I was um, in eighth grade, my family drove through Canada up to Alaska from Wisconsin. So we drove across the prairies, and then we hit the Rocky Mountains and drove up the Alaska Highway through Whitehorse and— at some point off on the side of the road, I saw my first caribou, and I think I've been drawn to the north ever since.
2: So what what would you tell people uh, about why they should come and visit the Northwest Territories? What is it about the Northwest Territories that you love so much?
7: Wow, that's a hard question because there's so much I love about the north. Um, the landscape is always changing. Um, we have... The winters that are very dark, where we have um, only a few hours of sunlight during the day, um, but then the nights are spectacular because we have northern lights flying across and lighting up the snow. Sometimes they are so bright you can you can see even brighter than a full moon. Then in the summer, we have these long daylight. The midnight sun goes all night, and so you get changing conditions all the time that, are, that makes it really exciting um, to be in the north
2: it sounds awesome thank you so much for speaking with us today Jean Uh, I learned a lot about poop (laughs) thank you so much for having me We're back on Road Trip Radio. I'm Caitlin Howden and with me as always is Pat Kelly and today we are focused on everything Northwest Territories.
1: And now it's time to check in with the Northwest Territories fishing report. Today the lake trout are really biting so watch your fingers. The Arctic Char are swimming so fast, they should be getting tired any minute now and are very easy to catch. Pickerel is also known as walleye, and hopefully tonight is known as dinner. And of course, the northern pikes are just really kind of making themselves at home in all the lakes in the Northwest Territory, so you should stop by and say hi, make sure that they're okay. And that's been the Fishing Report. Check out a lodge on a lake and bring some butter.
2: Now let's check back in with Peter Oldring, our roving reporter. He is currently at an all-night golf tournament in the Northwest Territories and hasn't slept for three days. Peter, are you there?
4: Uh, No. Hey, Caitlin. What are you doing calling me? Is everything okay?
2: Yeah, Peter, you're on Road Trip Radio.
4: Hmm? Oh, right. Sorry. I'm... Oh, My mind is wandering here. I still uh, haven't slept. I'm trying to focus on playing golf here, but... Honestly, every time I look for the flag, I just see a bunch of flags, flags from countries that don't even exist, I think.
2: Well, Peter, what hole would you say you're on on the golf game right now?
4: Oh, the big one, I guess. You know, it looks pretty big. I mean, I've been trying to get my caddy to help me out for the last several holes. And it was about two holes ago that I realized I don't actually have a caddy. I've actually been talking to a Kind of a large, slow-flying bumblebee. Uh,
2: Your caddy is a bumblebee? Yeah,
4: well, he's at least in my foursome, yeah. About a hole ago, he stung me on my big old nose. Uh,
2: Peter, maybe you should just uh, sit down and close your eyes for a bit.
4: (sighs) Peter?
2: (sighs) Peter? Um,
4: well listeners clearly peter
2: has fallen asleep which i think is actually good for him so let's let him get some z's and we'll catch in with him a little bit later on i'm gonna hang up okay peter peter can you hang up it's gonna cost him a fortune
6: Imagine
1: having to test the ice every time you wanted to walk to school. Well, that's exactly what the people living in the Northwest Territories have to do. If you live in the North, walking, biking, driving on ice roads is part of daily transportation in the cold season. And let's face it, it's cold for more than half the year up there. Road Trip Radio correspondent Jana Graham lives in Yellowknife and has some crazy stories about what it's like to travel or live on the ice.
0: Here in the Northwest Territories, we live surrounded by ice. And since it's below freezing for more than half the year, the lakes and rivers turn to ice and people use them as roads. Temporary roads, but still roads. We call them ice roads, and they're the world's best shortcuts. And they're only open in the winter. And some people in the capital city of Yellowknife actually live on the ice. There's about 40 floating homes, also called houseboats, located on Great Slave Lake. Houseboat residents can canoe or motorboat to their house in the summer, and then they can walk or drive on the lake in the winter. It sounds like a fun way to live, right? It is. But in the spring, when our roads start to melt, People on the ice face a bit of a problem. Here's three stories about living life on the ice. This is my friend Marty.
8: My name's Marty One Boot. And we're presently standing on the Great Slave Lake. As you can hear, we're not floating. We are standing on solid ground. So solid that you can drive on it, you can walk on it, you can jump up and down, you're not falling through. It's perfect, there are many meters. What is it, like four feet, five feet, maybe six feet, some places? When winter turns into spring, when ice starts to thaw, that's when it's hairy. One of the techniques you can use to get across, one foot in one canoe, your other foot on the ice, and you're just skating it across. One, one swing at a time, one push at a time. Because if you ever hear the ice crack, you can quickly jump into the canoe. And that's what you call a skiffle.
0: It's April. I asked Marty how he's planning on getting to work.
8: So I got my canoe. I got my life jacket. Got to make sure you always have that. Safety. And then uh, I brought a couple of ski poles with me. And I also brought my axe for just just jamming into the ice and pulling yourself with it.
0: I leave Marty attempting to cross the lake, and I go visit a family I know that live on an island on Great Slave Lake. Now, they face the same problem as Marty in the spring, but they're actually attempting to drive their truck for as long as they can.
9: Uh, hi, my name is Mike Mitchell. Um, I live in Yellowknife. I live on an island, actually, in Yellowknife Bay, which isn't too far from the mainland. We can see the city right from from where we live, but uh, because we're on an island, getting back and forth to the mainland gets tricky at certain times of year. So it's springtime, sun's coming out, warming up the the ice and the snow, and we're getting a lot of melt. So. These are the last days of driving our car from the island over to the mainland. So we're, we're heading across to get some supplies before uh, well, before the ice starts to melt too much.
0: How do you tell if uh, if the ice is okay to drive on?
9: Well, it, in the fall of the year when the ice is thin, I usually just send my kids out first. And if they fall through, then that's a, a good sign that, that the ice isn't quite safe yet. Um, people out on the bay here and, and that live on the island tend to have lots of kids because they do lose a few every year. We usually just prepare for the trip uh, in, just, uh, just in case that the ice isn't, su- isn't sufficiently strong to hold the truck up. So, for instance, we overinflate our tires. Um, if we do fall through, uh, if the tires are full enough of air, then it'll float like a, like a boat on the, in the water. Um, you have to be careful not to overinflate them, though, because if they burst, then, of course, you have no buoyancy and you're going to sink straight to the bottom. That's happened a couple of times. Um, some people wear life jackets or bathing suits. I, as you can see, prefer to wear nothing at all. Um, so that when I get to the other side and, and I do fall through, then at least I got a dry set of clothes. Okay, guys, it's time to go. Sadie, can you go get your bathing suit on, please? Jolliffe, go get your bathing suit. Okay, we'll take all your clothes off then. Okay, guys, let's get in the truck. All right, guys, got your seatbelts on? No. Good, don't do them up. You don't want your seatbelt on in case we fall through, right? Keep your window down, please, Jana? All right, so we're heading across to uh, go get some lumber. We're we're gonna build a sauna this summer, and if we don't get the wood across now, it's kind of it's kind of hard to do it in a boat. So we're gonna go across, get some lumber, get some gas, and the morning's a good time to travel because it's not it's still cold from the nighttime, and uh, it's not it's not too wet and mushy. But there is an enormous hole here at the uh, at the approach where you come off the mainland onto the ice, or in our case, off the ice to go onto the mainland, and that's the that's the sketchiest part. Oh, I see this. Big white truck up here that's that's having a struggle. Alright, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try a different spot because that spot obviously has got a, a big hole that swallows up trucks. Okay, ready to go? Yeah. Alright. Cross your fingers.
0: We approach a large patch of open water and then steer just left of it. And we're stuck. Mike puts his truck in four-wheel drive for extra traction and then he hits the gas hard until we get through the slush.
9: Alright, we're not going to have to spend the night. Yay. There we are. Whew, high fives. We live to see another day.
0: When you live on the ice or when you're driving on an ice road, you depend on your neighbors for all kinds of help. My friend Michelle, who lives in a houseboat, told me a story about the time she needed to borrow a truck.
10: Uh, some friends had kindly lent me their truck so that I could fill my propane tanks uh, to keep my, to heat my house for the winter.
0: The friends with the truck, Christine and Rich, live on the ice in a nearby houseboat.
10: I started the truck, went out and was clearing off the snow from the the windshield. And when I went to get back in the truck, I realized when you start the car, the, the doors lock automatically. So I'd the keys in the truck. It took me a while to finally figure out how to get in the window to be able to crawl through. So keys were okay. Uh, back on track, got to fill my propane tanks. And I started to back up. I heard a big crack. And I thought maybe I'd driven over a water box.
0: A water box is a small hole for filling up water jugs in the winter.
10: But as I looked, there was really, it was clearly open water behind the back wheels of the truck.
0: This is where the owner of the truck, Rich, comes in.
3: So I was at work and I got a call from Christine saying, Your truck is sunk. And or sinking, I guess it was actually sinking at the time. <laughs> so I jumped on my bike and, and raced down the hill, and like in five minutes I was there, just in time to see the front of the truck drop through the ice and sink. <laughs> <laughs> so it sank all the way to the water was on top of the like top of the roof. Um, so it turns out it wasn't, it was sunk far enough to ruin the truck, but not sunk so far that it wasn't salvageable. We hooked up chains, and then we just started slowly winching the truck towards shore. It took a really long time. It took like 12 hours. We did repurpose the truck, and uh, with the help of a friend, um, we cut the truck in half and made it into a trailer. And what was the
0: lesson here?
10: Before you drive on the ice, you take a drill and you check the ice thickness everywhere you're going to be driving. I
3: don't let Michelle the truck anymore. When you live in
0: the Northwest Territories, you're close to nature. There's nothing quite like walking and driving on the same body of water you're paddling on in the summer. And if you do happen to fall in, there's always someone around to pull you out. For Road Trip Radio, I'm Jana Graham in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories.
3: Hi, I'm Tim Parker, and this is Quizmaster. Quizmaster, celebrating Canada's sesquicentennial birthday, one quiz at a time. This week highlighting the Northwest Territories. Just want to start off by saying that we're all pretty darn excited here at Road Trip Radio because our building is finally getting some... uh, long-needed and well-deserved TLC and as you can probably hear and may have heard in a previous episode one of the things that needs to be taken care of and I'm told is top of the list is soundproofing so enjoy the sounds of the uh, renovations that you can hear right now because in the future you won't be hearing anything but the dulcet tones of my voice. (whistles) Every March in the capital of the Northwest Territories, Yellowknife, a month-long festival is kicked off. What is that festival? The answer is contained within one of these four promos. No matter how cold it gets, there's no stopping them during the Simeons of Brass Festival. With cutting remarks and absolutely no emotion, she rules the North during the Ice Queen Festival. Journey to a land of horses and swords, booties and bells during the White Knights and
6: Elves Festival.
3: From atop a throne of ice and snow, he rules the Northwest Territories during the Snow King Festival. If it's March and you're in Yellowknife, you will be enjoying the Snow King Festival. Located only 400 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle, Yellowknife is one of the best places in the world to witness what? Is it the Northern Lights? Snowshoe hockey? Dog sledding? Or the midnight sun? With its seasonably clear skies and a lack of light pollution, Yellowknife is a great place to see the northern lights. It... Okay. What is going on? Okay, you're cutting through the wall! Stop! Oh. Uh, uh, i uh, forget it. I'm, 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 I don't even know who I am. This is unbelievable. Stop this. You've been listening to Quizmaster. I'm in part- 24
10: hours a day. Road Trip Radio.
2: Road Trip Radio is made possible with the support of our sponsors Shorty Sporty Short Shorts, Long John Silver's Long Johns, and everybody's favorite new app the Nickname Generator.
1: Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, hey.
2: Hey, it's you. Hey, buddy. Oh, my
1: goodness. You don't remember my name, do you?
2: Of course I do. It's, um, Samantha. No,
1: it's John. Come on. We were engaged. Sorry, John. I'm just so brutal at remembering names. Hey, 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 hey. Don't be so brutal. Have you heard of the new nickname generator? The what? What? The nickname generator, it's a brand new app for your phone. Well, how does it work? Well, when you can't remember a person's name, you open up the app, take a photo, and the app will generate a nickname for that person. It'll make it seem like you know their name, but you chose to use a relatable nickname instead. Sounds like a very smooth process. And it works for every scenario.
6: Hey, Lisa, just swung by your office to see what you're
1: up to.
2: Hey, you! Um, just one sec. Perfect. (laughs) Hey, big guy, how's it going? Big guy? That's a perfect nickname for me, because I'm six foot five. Thanks,
1: nickname generator. Phew. And how about at a restaurant?
5: I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say hi. Hi, Lisa.
1: Hi, uh... Blondie? Oh my goodness, what a flattering nickname because of my blonde hair. And I used to be in the band. You're so wonderful. Nice to see you. Okay, bye-bye. Nickname Generator, you've done it again. It's the Nickname Generator app, now available everywhere you get your apps, which is pretty much one place. And make sure you look out for the new Chief Buddy Dude Guy Boss expansion set coming soon.
5: Listening to Road Trip Radio. What you are about to hear is true. These events occurred a few years ago in the Canadian wilderness. Some names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. The First Nations and the RCMP were once again hot on the bandits' trail as sightings increased. I'm Grant Lawrence, and this is the true story of the Spaghetti Bandit. Chapter 9, The Search In the final weeks of August, a report came in that an extremely gaunt man had been spotted stumbling along the shore in an obvious state of distress. His hands were on his head, He had no shoes, bad teeth, and long, stringy, dark hair that came down to his hips. He was loudly talking to himself. When someone is left alone long enough in the woods, insanity can creep in. Now, this is often called going bush. There are three stages, but usually the final stage is a crippling paranoia where you think that everyone is out to get you. In the Spaghetti Bandit's case, well, the paranoia was just. Everybody was out to get him. Eric and the RCMP once again rushed to the place where the bandit was spotted. With guns drawn on the trail, Eric couldn't believe it. The Spaghetti Bandit had managed to find yet another First Nations site. This time, it was worse than the burial cave and worse than the village site. Human excrement, empty tin cans, and garbage was strewn everywhere. But there was no yellow kayak and no spaghetti bandit. The search expanded. The RCMP brought in dog teams and helicopters. The bandit had escaped again without a trace. Everyone in the area was now on the lookout... For a thin man with long black hair in a yellow kayak. Then, in the final week of September, they got him. But it wasn't the police.
2: For the next installment of the Spaghetti Bandit, head to the Quebec episode.
1: To start the story from the beginning, jump back to B.C.,
2: about all the time we have today for the Northwest Territories. But before we go, let's check in one last time with Peter Oldring, who is at the Midnight Sun Golf Tournament. Peter, how did it go?
4: Hello, uh, Caitlin and our road trip listeners. Uh, Question, have you heard of Somnambulism? No, I
2: don't think I have, and I think I can speak on behalf of everyone else and say we haven't heard of it.
4: Our road trip Listeners uh, that are familiar with big words, of course, they've already figured it out. It means sleepwalking. And Caitlin, I've just finished sleepwalking through 18 holes of golf. And guess what? I won the tournament. <laughs> what? You won? Yeah, I just slipwalk through the final round. I you know, shot a 57. <laughs> wow, I was even going in the drink once. That's impressive. i I'm natural. I didn't even know you played I mean, golf. I don't. I don't. And wow. it was rental clubs and I didn't even wear gloves, you know. <laughs> it was just one of those magic days of somnambulism. <laughs> bubblebee like Muhammad Ali stinger. <laughs> Float.
2: All right, Peter. Well, we've got to say goodbye to you, so...
4: <sighs> All right.
1: That's about all the time we have for Road Trip Radio. We want to thank you for listening and remember to keep it tuned, where it's always drive time, walk time, or sit time here on Road Trip Radio.
2: We leave you today with the sounds of a diamond mine outside Yellowknife. Just listen to those diamonds sparkle.
1: Gorgeous. Take care, everybody. See you next time.
2: Bye.
6: Road Trip Radio has been made possible by the Government of Canada and is produced by Kelly and Kelly Creative and Sumo Audio. Research by Matt Masters, Janice Tufford, and Leslie Johnson. With contributions by Dave Shumka, Brian Short, Paul Tedeschini, Sophia LePage, Zoe Robertson, Grant Lawrence, Jen Bohm, Naomi Sneekes, Matt Barham, Mike Belazzo, Sandy Jobin Bevins, and the Road Trip Radio Kids from Arts Umbrella in Vancouver. Keep listening to Road Trip Radio, broadcasting 24 hours a day.